Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. And uh, this is a very special episode of Pixels because like every year for the past five years, we are doing an E3 special with my good friend Scott Johnson. Mm -hmm. I'm Patrick Beja, and this is Booksels 2019. <laughs> How's it going, Scott? Doing all right. Uh, five years of this and uh, no stopping now. We're going to combine our forces Voltron style and make a, a summary best we can of E3 2019 and everything that happened. If you have been uh, following what we've been doing for the past few days, you are on the uh, same exhausting path that we are. This is kind of a three, four days marathon where we cover the shows, the conference, the press conferences and the showcases live and put those on the feeds as well. Uh, we have the Pixels feed and we have the Boob feed and we have the Core feed on the Scott's side. And uh, this is a wild time for gaming, as you know, because you've been following this, I'm sure, as well. Mm -hmm. um, overall, so yeah, we're going to be talking about almost everything. It's impossible to cover it all. But I think... We're going to cover uh, the platforms first, Stadia and Microsoft, uh, along with the games that are there. And then we're going to cover, you know, Bethesda, EA, Ubisoft, Square Enix, and a ton of other things. Um, but overall, Scott, what did you think of this? Uh, and to be clear, this is like literally the Nintendo conference ended 30 minutes ago. So... We're, we still have the actual E3 show where journalists are going to go and try the game. So there might be some other information that surfaces. Um, but from the press conferences and the presentations, what are your feelings about this year's E3, Scott? Okay, a couple things. Um, first, my overall impression is 
let's say when I was going into it, I thought this was going to be your big transition year. I thought this would be the year where we heard about not only what Microsoft's plans were with a new console, but what it looked like, what its actual specs were going to be uh, beyond some kind of vague ones. And it would have a name and they would announce titles for it. And like, that's where I, re- I really did think that was going to happen. And part of that is I, I think I came in after Sony had basically dumped all their specs and told us exactly what's in, in a PlayStation 5, which they will call the PlayStation 5. I figured, well, <laughs> all right, it's Microsoft's turn. And they also have this conference kind of to themselves as a platform uh, holder, if you don't count Sadia uh, or Nintendo, I suppose. Well, but, since since Sony isn't there, of course, they yeah. had it was a huge opportunity. Yeah, and instead it just felt like uh, it, this isn't the year. It's next year that all that will happen. And once I got comfortable with that and gave up on my on my notion that this would be the big hardware transition year, then I realized, oh no, 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 this is the one before the year that that happens. <laughs> like this is the one where <laughs> we're we're kind of long tailing the current generation. Um, there's some cool games coming out, but they, you know, we're not seeing anything crazy innovative here or whatever. Um, it's just going to be kind of one of those years. And and once I got past my own expectations that settled in and everything was it was fine for the most part it's a fine show this year they're not the most exciting conferences ever there were a couple i think that stood out and in particular a couple of people that stood out in terms of them presenting things but you know for me it was ubisoft and nintendo they were my two two strong ones this year Mm. um i microsoft was exciting in some ways but obviously we'll get to that in a minute but yeah that's my overall yeah we will I think you're right. It's kind of it's not the most exciting E3. I think there that transition. You're right is not yet uh, uh, hasn't happened, um, and it was surprising on Microsoft's part. We, we'll talk about that. I do think there are a couple of things that uh, we can start discerning. There's these this uh, these hints more than hints actually uh, trends that are getting really strong that are telling us what the next few years are going to be, and of course the um, Streaming is one of them. And something that I think no one really expected was the importance that the Game Pass was going to have, not just for Microsoft, I guess, but as a concept and the way it influences the the your appreciation for all the games. We both commented on that and others as well as we were watching, especially the Microsoft conference. But it also applies to Stadia in a weird roundabout way, which we'll discuss. And uh, overall, I think it's more interesting from an interest, industry strand, standpoint than uh, in, in different ways than I might have expected. Mm-hmm. And from a game standpoint, it's probably average, which some spikes of really cool things. But uh, we'll discuss all of it. So let's start um, with Stadia. Which, kind of like Microsoft, we, we expected a lot more uh, surprising details, especially on their business model. And the, the, what they came out with was, I think, underwhelming in many ways and kind of got explained afterwards. And I get to that. But I was convinced that Google was going to change more of the industry because they usually do when they enter a market uh, or sometimes uh, with that con- that much conviction, they changed a lot. They change a lot of things in that market. But here, Stadia is essentially a console just like any other console, except there's no console. So to summarize, 
Stadia is a streaming service from Google that is actually going to launch. That's not how they present, presented it. And that was a big uh, misstep on their part, I think, uh, because they muddied the message incredibly badly. Yeah. But what's going to happen is Stadia is actually launching in 2020. And it's going to be freely accessible, but you need to buy the games that you want in order to play them. So at this stage, and this might change, there's no free trial for any game. There's no uh, subscription, all you can eat, all you can play type subscription. It's really just you buy the games. Um, you don't need to buy the console, which is cool. Of course, you need to have a, a decent connection in order to play it, um, which is, you know, uh, 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 can be a problem for some people. But of course, not having to buy a console is an upside to many people. Mm -hmm. But it's really just that. It's a console without the console, and that launches in 2020. However, if you want to access it early, you can... Um, have uh, you can buy the founders pack, which is 130 bucks, and you you get with that um, a, a Chromecast 4K, a Stadia controller, and three months of uh, Stadia membership. And you might be thinking, oh wait, membership? What is that? Right, because the service will be free to get um, once it actually launches. But it's limited to 1080p and some of those technical limitations. If you pay 10 bucks a month, you get 4K resolution enabled. And that is their kind of premium tier. And that will be available in November through that Founders Edition, that Founders Pack. So you get that, you get Destiny, the full package, and you get three months for your friend uh, that you can give as well so you can have someone to play with. Um, and beyond that, they have a catalog of games, which is about 30 games. There are more that have been announced since, and I'm sure there will be more uh, before the soft launch of November slash actual launch of uh, um, early 2020. But overall, uh, I, I was expecting and hoping for more. However, and I'll, I'll give you the talking stick afterwards, uh, Scott, but there's a, a, an immensely important aspect of all of this that happened during the Ubisoft conference, which I'm going to get to uh, uh, now because it's really important for Stadia. Mm -hmm. Ubisoft also announced a Game Pass type thing, a subscription service that gives you access to all of their games. That's going to be 15 bucks a month. Uh, it's a bit pricey. They didn't say if there was going to be a yearly subscription, which there is on the EA side. They have a similar subscription service, which is similarly priced monthly, but they also have a hundred bucks a year option, which is a lot more reasonable uh, uh, wallet-wise. Um, the Ubisoft one includes all of the uh, additional content, which is key because the ton of games currently live on additional content, DLC expansions, all of that. And that subscription from Ubisoft is going to be available on Stadia. And that is uh, arguably without having to be a subscriber to Stadia. So in effect, what that means is that Ubisoft and potentially other uh, publishers also later down the line, EA would be a prime candidate for this, Ubisoft is using Stadia as a platform to deliver their subscription, which is PC only at the moment, um, through streaming technology. So that uh, kind of subscription service that I was talking about is actually available for Ubisoft through Stadia. So you can get access to all of the Ubisoft games without having to install them and uh, just 
all you can eat uh, for that. And we'll talk about the install requirement when we talk about the Game Pass and the um, reaction we had during the Microsoft press conference. But so overall, this is the announcement of Stadia, which were, I think, a little bit underwhelming the moment they gave them, but actually opens possibilities. And last thing I'll say, um, when you consider that there might be other companies that also offer subscription services to Stadia, it makes a lot of sense that Stadia doesn't also have their own subscription service mm -hmm. because then it becomes a, a lot to ingest, I guess, for, for players because you need to you might need to pay the Stadia subscription service and other publishers' subscription service, which some platforms do, Microsoft and, and Sony do that to a limited extent. But uh, for Google, it makes more sense to offer the platform kind of almost as a white box naked service and then publishers do whatever they want with it. Yeah. So. That's my takeaway as well. Um, my takeaway on the potential of, of the service uh, as opposed to what they're actually presenting as a Google facing service. Cause right now Google's just saying, yeah, you can pay us a little money. We'll get you a controller and uh, you can get in early and you know, let's do this. And then in 2020, we'll do the whole thing and you can get it for, you know, the service will just be there for a 1080p, which by the way is probably going to be plenty for almost everybody. Uh, at least for yes, a while, um, 4K paying extra 10 bucks for that as, as a premium is, I think, a dumb. I, I, I'm, I'm not even going to bother with that tier. I don't need it. Um, it's going to be fine without I, it. I forgot. I forgot to mention uh, it gets you games uh, every month like PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold. So there's also that benefit oh, right, to get right. quote unquote free games. Um, so that might be interesting and reduced uh, prices for the games of the catalog which that I don't think is going to be a huge deal because how much lower can they go? Yeah, that, no, that's um, true. Yeah. I My takeaway, though, overall is that, um, well, first of all, the the Ubisoft connection is interesting, and it also makes sense. There, If you remember, the Google's big streaming test was done with um, with uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey a year and a half ago, whatever it was, year ago, I guess, uh, when they did that over Chrome and everybody could just log into Chrome and they were suddenly playing this super high res, low latency version of the game. And that at the time made me think, oh, they're they were working with Ubisoft on something then. This isn't just them picking a game at random. And Ubisoft loves talking to new platforms and being one of the first publishers to do anything with new platforms, even if those platforms fail. You know, they were right there on day one with with the Wii U, with the, their zombie U game and a bunch of other stuff like they're always there. And so it makes sense. That's their that's their mo to get their crap as on as many platforms, new or old, as possible. Um, so when I heard that yesterday, I, that all made sense. I was like, oh, okay, Ubisoft's in for you know they got their reasons, and here we go. Um, so that was great. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's exciting. And there's an ex there's uh, it's exciting to me to think that that subscription program moves over to there. Here's the only the only real complaint I have about Stadia in its current form. If it is just sort of a white box and it is just a place to put your games instead of somewhere else, um, if you're saying I got to pay 59 bucks to put it there or I can spend 59 and put it on my high-end PC or on one of my consoles, I'm probably going to do the latter because at least on the high-end console, I can do 4K or I can do lower resolution or higher resolution. I can adjust the hell out of it. I can do whatever I want with it and I'm paying the same amount of money. So there's really no advantage to me going with Stadia other than it's a it's this like gimmick that ooh this is just running on the internet how cool is that well that's great until my internet gets weird or poopy or 
you know, whatever, which is, you know, still an issue for some people. It is for me occasionally. So I, I don't have any real compelling reason to buy a Stadia based game versus buying it for my PC or something else. So I'm not especially sure. Especially since, yeah, especially since uh, it's it's very uh, reasonable to expect that for the Microsoft Xbox service and the Sony upcoming, you know, we suspect uh, uh, upgraded streaming service that will be an option too. So right. if you buy a game, you can either stream it or uh, get it downloaded on your physical box. Yeah, uh, I yeah I, I I agree with you. It makes less sense on Stadia. However, the the subscriptions you get them anywhere. Um, and that might mean that Ubisoft has to port all of their games to Stadia. Mm -hmm. um, so that's beneficial to uh, uh, Google as well. Um, but you get them anywhere. And so you either can download them on your PC or play them streaming anywhere. I um, mean, Google just needs, they, Google needs to get to a place that they've got enough content. In a way, Apple's doing this with mobile, with Apple Arcade. Uh, we have yet to see how that goes, but... You know, they're kind of doing a similar uh, thing, although that's downloaded, not streamed live. But my point is that they've got a subscription service where there's like, going to be a bunch of games to choose from and you can play any of them in that subscription service. When Google gets to a point, and I think that they will, because that should be the ultimate goal of all of this stuff, they got to get to a place where, you know, I'm using the tired Netflix comparison, but a place where there's just a bunch of stuff to play. And your subscription lets you have whatever's in there, even if they're older games, even if they're in, more indies than not or whatever. But there needs to be a big pile of things I'm getting for my 10 bucks a month that I can just play at will and at whim and at random. And when that happens, that suddenly becomes a very valuable service and one that I would absolutely get. And I think I would need not only want, but need um, as it stands right now, just the place to decide where I'm going to spend 50. I'm going to spend 50 on a platform where I can control it more. Yeah, and I think we might get there and we might get other things like, as we many people said, like a free trial for any game and stuff like that. We're definitely not there yet. Right. Um, and as, as until we, we do get there, uh, you're right. I think buying, outright buying a game on Stadia doesn't really make sense for anyone. But I think that's the position they're in now because they don't have, like, they have to sell the games that uh, you that people want uh, because there's no other option. That being said, I heard from a lot of people who are thinking, you know what? I, you're crazy. I don't need to buy a console. I can just buy the game and start playing. That's awesome. I'm in. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, it will make sense. Just maybe not for us who do have a uh, gaming PC or a bunch of consoles anyway. So that there might be a little bit of bias there. Uh, but regardless, that's the feelings I think we got on Stadia. And and there's more to come uh, there. They have a lot of publishers interested, many of whom don't really have the infrastructure for doing a streaming service of their own. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I Look, the fee, if they stick with it and they're serious, and I keep bringing that up as if it's a problem, but it kind of is with them sometimes, um, then they've got something rad They'll, like they'll be at the forefront of this weird new way of getting content like this. Uh, I just think this is just too early to say for sure. I don't know. I think it's yeah, it's too early to say for sure. I'll 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 agree with you there. But again, I think the main uh, point of Stadia is not Stadia. It's the enabling of uh, other 
publishers using it for their own services. I think that's what they targeted that we didn't really see coming. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, Microsoft. Uh, of course, the big news was the release of uh, deodorant and body wash branded with Xbox uh, that we got a couple of days before E3. But uh, the other big news. Okay, that didn't land at all. You didn't even <laughs> chuckle. Um, Inside, but... I was. I was deep down. I was really Thank stoked. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but uh, there were a bunch of games. We'll talk about them in a second. But the big thing, I think, even more than uh, Scarlet, uh, which they, Project Scarlet, which essentially will get that over with immediately. Mm -hmm. They said nothing that wasn't expected. And essentially, they matched, as we knew they would, um, Sony's specs that were released a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago. And we know that that was going to be the case sure. because the industry and the technology is moving in a certain way. And so all of the next generation, including Stadia, there's going to be maybe less or more power depending on how things go uh, down the line. Stadia could upgrade their um, hardware uh, as well. Uh, but Microsoft is touting four times the performance of an Xbox One X which Stadia isn't. It's uh, less than that. It's 1.5, I think. But those numbers don't mean a lot. Um, but yeah, so faster loading time SSD, virtual RAM for SSD, all of those numbers that ultimately those consoles, just like the current generation, are going to be very similar tech-wise and the differentiator is going to be uh, the games. And that is how it's it has been for a long time. Um, more and more, and it's going to be even more this time. So... That, that's about all we can say for Scarlet, I think. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we'll know more next year. Here's what we know for sure. But it'll have Xbox in the name. I mean, duh, of course it will. Uh, and it'll be cool and fast. And at, at the least, right where Sony's at, or hopefully better because they really need to push hard this time. And probably a better cloud gaming service. You know, all that stuff's going to be great. I just really hoped it was more complete than it is now if they're launching i mean they said they're going to launch this thing next holiday season not this one but the following 2020s holiday season in that fall i really thought we would be able to see something however it does make sense that you now hold this and sprinkle it either throughout the year or you would come around to june of next year ahead of the holiday season and you blow everybody's mind with your hardware that you're going to show off so that's probably I, what they're yeah. doing. I just really hope this was that one. And I don't know why I thought that, but it's not. It's next year. Because they had a huge opportunity, um, which, you know, they could have used the absence of Sony to really push their brand and console. Um, and we expected this to be the next uh, generation. But instead, I think they did something which was really clever uh, for the long term because beyond the splashy this is what the console is going to be if they announce a lot of details uh, then you have to wait a year and a half like everyone else to to play it unless they had you know a, a launch date of early 2020 which obviously is not going to be the case mm -hmm. um, so instead they focused on game pass with the launch of game pass for pc which is 10 bucks a month but 
uh, five bucks a month for the beta period, which we don't know how long it's going to last, um, which is a ridiculously good deal for the amount of games that are already there. And they're going to go up to 100 games roughly for PC. They announced a um, the inclusion of the PC Game Pass in their Game Pass Ultimate, mm -hmm. which is uh, Xbox Live and um, Xbox Live Gold and a game Pass for the console, so you get PC console and live for fourteen ninety nine a month. A ridiculous um, value, is, amazing! Like if I if I had an Xbox One and was actively using it, I don't have one. But if I had one, I, that's the most no brainer, awesome gaming service I've ever that's ever been. Like that's incredible at that price. What they're doing. And they're getting ready for the really important aspect of the next generation, which is content. Since everything is going to be available everywhere, um, you know, uh, Apple recently announced that Xbox and PlayStation controllers are going to be compatible with uh, all of their devices, including the Apple TV and everything. So anything you want to play is going to be playable in decent conditions for everyone through streaming of course again everyone who has a decent connection but so they're positioning themselves for, for this with uh content they announced they're buying um double fine so another studio joining the xbox exclusive uh team or slash half exclusive because some of them are are getting on other platforms but the pushing of the game pass was actually really clever i think because getting people into your ecosystem through game pass then transitions to the next generation so instead of selling the dream of the next generation and then having people wait for a year and a half you sell them on something they can get right now game pass gives them a ton of games immediately you give them a, an attractive deal initially and um they they are in your system where they might not have been even if you promised the moon with the next uh, generation. And they announced a number of games. I think they're, um, well, they didn't announce a number of games. There are a number of games on the Game Pass. But overall, their conference was exciting. And xCloud is coming um, so the streaming service for the current generation is coming in October and it will allow you to stream from your existing console. So it's kind of like a private personal xCloud server. Uh, that's going to be for free. But then they didn't exactly uh, detail what is going to be available mm -hmm. uh, during that uh, test of xCloud or the beginning of xCloud. But we suspect that Game Pass should be included in that. And if it is, Again, we get into a uh, all-you-can-eat service uh, available very quickly before the one, uh, the service from uh, Google, which is launching in November. So I think it was actually pretty clever, and the streaming makes even more sense when you think about it in that context, because both you and I saw a ton of games that we thought, you know, if it was, if I had to go out and buy it. Maybe I wouldn't try it. Mm -hmm. But since it's included in Game Pass, I definitely want to try it. But then you get another hurdle, which is, oh, do I need to install it? Then it's a bit of a, a, a it's a bit annoying. And how spoiled are we that installing a free game, quote unquote free, is annoying. But yeah. still, it's true. Yeah. So having it streaming, just you press a button and you start playing is becomes magical. And then you game 
you try so many more games. Maybe you don't finish all of them, but you try a lot of them and you might discover stuff you like. It all kind of coalesces together in this weird way, which I think makes sense. 100%. And they have a, they're better percent, uh, um, they're better positioned to do this than Google is. They have the games already, or a lot of them. If anyone's positioned even better games-wise, it'd be Sony, but I don't think Sony's, or Nintendo even, but neither of those companies have this cloud initiative or the back end to do it. They just don't have it. They have to partner. In fact, well, Sony, Sony is working. Yeah. Sony is working with Microsoft now to do it, which <laughs> it's just hilarious is, to me. Makes, but it, it, it means that uh, the, the Sony service is going to be just as good uh, potentially as the Microsoft service. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. It's a so. good, it's the right, you know, it's the right uh, thing to do. I, I kind of thought somebody was going to partner with um, Amazon or something given their back end, but uh, it sounds like they decided to go with Microsoft. But the point is, like, both of those companies represent all of the games and all of the third-party relationships needed to get more games in there. Google doesn't have that. Like, they got money, but they don't have the relationships. They don't have the long-term uh, plans. They can't just come in, Johnny, come lately, walk upstairs and go, hey, everybody here, put all your games here right now. We'll give you a bunch of money for it. It doesn't work that way. And so they're they're better suited to hit the ground running with X, X Cloud and maybe even Sony with what they produce to to give me the service that you and I were talking about, uh, which is uh, has a third leg to it, uh, which I I wish was happening with Google. But then again, it takes away a, a, a tenant of Google's plan uh, immediately, and that is let me choose to download it or not. I want to stream some things like I like your discovery method. Go in there, stream them, mess with them. Ooh, this game's totally speaking to me. I want this game. I'm literally going to download this now to a box. That will be possible uh, by all uh, indications on xCloud and Xbox and possibly Sony's platform. It's not possible because there is no local hardware solution for the Google thing. And I know that flies in the face of what Google is trying to do. They're going hard into the streaming direction only. But I kind of like the choice. Because it just gives me more, you know, more options to, to, I mean, the PC's got little things like this anyway already, sort of going on in weird places. Um, bringing that to a console, making that ease of use is great. And I may play the whole thing streaming. I don't know. But I probably will download it if I like it and play it there, like right off the hard drive and I not worry about my internet connection. Initially, you might. I think in a few years, I think that's going to be uh, less of a problem. But yeah, initially, uh, you might. And you're right, the both Sony and Microsoft are going to have that option. Uh, of course, Sony already has the PlayStation Now and actually the in-home in-home streaming, which the xCloud project is going to bring to the Xbox. Um, but I, I, the Sony's service is technically not, I think, good enough to be satisfying to most people. And the even more importantly, the catalog is not there because they're they prefer you actually purchase their games full price. Um, of of course, they're not going to have a choice. They're going to have to move to another model net now that everyone is going that uh, subscription route. Um, but yeah, so overall, um, a, a couple of things I guess we should uh, mention as well on Stadia. You're going to be able to stream to uh, Chrome-based uh, devices, uh, tablets, and phones, but only. Pixel 3s, I think, and no other Pixel phones. So Google's hardware is getting shafted in this, which I think a lot of people are pissed about. Mm -hmm. uh, Google uh, faithfuls, which I can understand. Mm -hmm. um, and there was another thing. Oh, right. The Scarlet is going to have the similar um, 
architecture with Zen 2 and Navi from AMD as the PlayStation and 120 hertz 8K ray tracing new generation SSD. Again, just like the next generation for PlayStation. Um, so, yeah, should we talk about uh, the games that were announced? Yeah, why not? Um, they did have games to announce. Again, nothing other than Halo. They they were saying you know Project Scarlet for Halo Infinite, but that didn't even that didn't so look let's, fancy. That looks- yeah, let let's talk about this for a second. Uh, they showed a an in engine uh, cinematic for Halo Infinite, which I, I I'm not a big Halo guy, but beyond that. The I was excited to see what it would be. No hints at how it, why it would be infinite. A lot of people assumed that it would be a game as a service type thing that would evolve, and it might still be. But what they've shown was very classic Halo-ish, mm-hmm. and they even said it's kind of a reimagining of the uh, Halo uh, experience. Um, beyond that, I think we were discussing this during the the conference i think it's not very impressive graphically um which was kind of a bummer i rewatched it afterwards it it's certainly very um detailed but it's not it was indoors and they made sure to show volumetric fog and and lighting so that the ray tracing is uh featured but it wasn't there wasn't immense vistas it, like if you had told me this is on the current generation of consoles I would not have been surprised. I would have been like, oh, okay, that looks pretty good. But um, I would never have guessed it's a, a next generation types graphic. Oh, yeah, no. They, like straight up, I'm still not even sure it was. <laughs> it was. I mean, they said it was, but I'm still not 100% that was Scarlet or whatever. Like if, if it is, we're in, we're in bad shape because that just looked like current gen. There was just straight up no other way to put it. There's nothing fancy happening. Uh, in what I saw, and I know, I, I know that the curve is 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 flattening out. I understand that we're not going to see the kinds of jumps we've seen in years past. I fully accept that, but you know, for for them to want to try to blow my mind, they just they just showed me Halo ass Halo, like there was nothing really fancy going on there, and that's fine. Yeah. People are stoked about Halo. We still don't really know what Infinite's about in terms of any innovative gameplay stuff, but if it's just Halo again, or I don't know, my son had an argument with me about this last night because he loves Halo. And he says, "Dude, Dad, did you see the what they showed?" And I said, "Yeah, it looked it looked like it looked all right." And he says, "Are you kidding me? This looks like they're getting back to their roots. This is true Halo. This is like so." In his mind, he's like, "It's back to 2001, and we're you know we're going into the Halo world for the first time again." And I don't know why he feels that way, but that's the vibe he had. And maybe he's right, and that's all anyone wants. But I guess I was looking for something bigger it was claustrophobic it was in a very small space they weren't really showing us much and um i, I think know. it's it's interesting for from a halo point of view to an extent and some people will like it but as a showcase for the next generation again it falls back to what you were saying the real one will happen next year and i'm fully on board with your theory that this was in, uh, engineered for the current generation mm-hmm. and they were like oh crap we have to show something for scarlet just add some fog and some ray tracing lights and change the color of the lights during the thing so we can see it's like this but it, it's faked so well uh in the current you know in the current engines that it's hard to spot the difference technical yeah. people might but yeah we've so, gotten very good anyway. at very good at lighting systems that are unnatural and having them look right in video yeah. games we've gotten awesome at that because doing anything else was either impossible or extremely hard 
or technically improbable. But now that we're getting closer to having real-time lighting in games and having it render on the fly, uh, it's going to be amazing, no question. But uh, this thing, they, they were being very safe here, and I get it. And also, I think I have good news for current Xbox One owners. If this game is on both platforms, you're going to look just fine. Uh, uh, this, yeah. this game will look great on your hardware. Um, all right. So let's talk about games. There were a bunch of them. I, we can't go through all of them because this to me was the best, uh, conference, not a lot of exclusives, but it was so exciting, especially should we start with cyberpunk? Sure. Let's, let's start with cyberpunk. Yeah. Oh, it's the um, start and end and do nothing but cyberpunk as far as I'm concerned for the rest of our <laughs> lives. I cannot wait for this game. I'm so excited. So um, if you haven't heard, they showed a pre-rendered trailer for Cyberpunk, which, fine, you know, it actually doesn't show a lot of the game. It's just a pre-rendered trailer, which was exciting. Uh, they have a release date for April 16, 2020, which, by the way, the theme of this episode will be early 2020 is going to be crazy because so many games are coming out early 2020, or at least first half. Yeah, A lot um, of them will get delayed because they always do, but yes, they're it, possibly, it, yeah. very front-loaded next year for some reason. Everybody's got them then. Um, and, well, the other games that haven't been announced might be for the next generation of consoles, so that might be why, but uh, the ones for the end of the year. Right. But at the end of the trailer... Um, the most incredible E3 explosion E thing uh, ever happened. And that was the reveal that Keanu Reeves is uh, going to be playing a character in cyberpunk. He appears in the trailer, the, the modeled uh, the, the version, which we were watching it and I had like half a minute. Uh, 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 I was earlier in the stream than you guys were. And I, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, my God. And you're like, what, what, what? And yeah. It was a really funny moment. Yeah. Um, and and uh, especially since Keanu Reeves has had this resurgence with John Wick, it was like it was the perfect alignment of stars. And after that, Keanu Reeves arrives on stage at the Xbox conference, does a, a super cute speech about the game uh, and announces the release date, I think, or maybe it was announced already, but it was like the most, the surprise, the reason why E3 is exciting. And I understand it's, you know, it's marketing and whatever. We know that we don't, it's not like we get got by the, the magic uh, misleading marketing of these companies. It's just the joy of celebrating all of this is real. And the, the surprise uh, factor is part of it. And this was a perfect, unexpected uh, surprise with some star factor, some wholesomeness. It was, I loved it. This is textbook E3 greatness. Yeah, that was a highlight for me also. Uh, like if I had to pick actual show highlights and not pick my favorite conferences overall, that one is right up there. I'd put that Bethesda lady up there. Um, there were, there were a couple of moments across all of it that were really memorable and that was awesome. And I mean, who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Like everyone wants to make fun of him back in the day in the matrix days. I'm telling you, man, that dude's got star power. He's also humble. He's a nice guy by every account. He's in a game that looks rad. Perfect guy to come out and be goofy on stage and have a little fun with him. Like, yes, I love that stuff. I'll tell you what I don't want. And I'm sick of, and every conference does it and I'm sick of it. It's this, it's their spokesperson, head person coming out going, we know that gamers love to game. And as we know, the greatest <laughs> part of gaming is gaming with our friends. 
And that's what we love about gaming. Gaming, gaming, we are all gamers. Like, I hate that talk. I hate it. They all do it. <laughs> they all do it. Bringing us together as gamers. Finally, we're getting, now more than ever, it's like, shut up. I hate that. I hate it. That to me is not it's celebrating. Getting tired. It's just getting really tired. So we know what we are. Yeah. We know what we love. Just show us the stuff and bring Keanu Reeves out. That's a great idea. And then keep moving. You know, that's that's my take on these things. And at the end, you don't have to come out and go, once again, we've seen that gamers, dude, who are, you ta- who are they even talking to when they say that stuff? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I think it's it's I understand the reason for that kind of messaging, but I think it's get definitely getting tired. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Ninja Theory showed Bleeding Edge. I'm going to do a quick fire. Uh, Bleeding Edge, a melee five on five uh, action PvP type game mm-hmm. with uh, champions and characters that looked uh, kind of rad. Ori and the Blight and the Will of the Wisps, uh, February 11. I think this might be the most beautiful game I have ever seen. Minecraft Dungeons Spring 2020, uh, some Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order. We'll talk about that uh, during the e- EA uh, conference we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, Double Fine presented Psychonauts 2. Oh, um, and they also presented Double Fine as a newly acquired studio by Microsoft Studios. So they are now yeah. a Microsoft company. Yep. Mentioned it, yeah. Um, a Gears 5 cinematic that I thought was really convincing. I don't need to see more gameplay. Um, uh, there's a new multiplayer mode, PvE, that is called Escape. Um, you get th- There's also Fantasy Star Online 2 that's coming uh, in the spring of 2020 to the West. That was an interesting surprise. Uh, Elden Ring, the From Software slash George R.R. Martin collab, uh, was shown through a trailer with no in-game assets and didn't get any dates Mm. um a bunch of other things what did you take away from that uh presentation games wise what what did you enjoy oh man i mean there were a lot of cool games shown it all felt very current gen so i was i was still kind of in the middle of you know resetting my my expectations for what they were going to show that it was going to be a lot of stuff we sort of either expected or knew it would look like or whatever um for me probably ori and the will of the wisps blew my mind the most like that's visually just incredible um of of the games they showed weirdly the 2d the kind of 2d action uh uh things follow up to, to uh ori and the wild what was the old, old one ori and the wind of the wild one. wild forest wild for was it forest anyway uh so. weirdly that one jumped out at me more than almost any, everything else and that surprised me um, I, I guess I just didn't expect that. Um, but we went, the other thing that, that, uh, was super excited about are actually a lot of games I haven't played yet for Microsoft. Cause again, I don't have an Xbox, but when they announced the windows, uh, 10 edition of the blind forest, sorry, blind, blind forest, forest, blind forest. Why. Thank you. Uh, they, when they announced that, that deal and we knew about it before, cause it got leaked and I ran out and grabbed it for a buck for the first month and four ninety nine thereafter, which now has been confirmed as the beta. We've talked about this. Um, I, that, that's maybe my most exciting thing of the show because I get to now uh, for a relatively low price, get into horizon or Forza horizon uh, four. I get to get into games that I have not played yet or a few that are coming that are super exciting to me and play those on my PC, which is kind of my preferred platform anyway. So that's, those were more exciting to me than a lot of what they announced games wise, which is weird. I know. Um, mm. but, I, but 
nonetheless, that's that's more interesting to me than a new Gears or a new Halo or or any of that. I I think Minecraft Dungeons looked cool. That's a multi-platform game, so not really a Microsoft exclusive, but that's where it got shown first. Uh, surprisingly, because I don't really like Minecraft. I like Diablo-like games, though, and that's what that appears to be. So there's a lot to like what they showed in there, but of, of all of it, I think I was most impressed with this this beta period of the of the PC Game Pass where I can play their games that I have been pining for for a couple of years and never gotten my hands on, and now I can finally play them. Yeah, I agree. I think that was definitely the highlight. Uh, the Game Pass makes... The, the thing that I didn't quite expect is that the Game Pass, as we said before, makes you look at the games that are presented differently. You go from, oh, that, that looks nice, but I probably won't spend the money to to buy it and play it, to oh, that looks nice. I'll get it anyway, so I'll definitely play it, mm-hmm. and it makes it more exciting. So I, that's I a, totally agree. kind of a side yeah. effect of it. The other nice side effect is, the other part of that, part of what you just described is, a lot of times for, well, at least for me, if I want to play Horizon, uh, sorry, Forza Horizon 4, uh, I keep wanting to say Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, if I want to play that, my my way of doing that up till now is buy an Xbox and then play it. That's not exciting if I if I'm already at this point in the generation and I haven't really you know the Xbox has really never done it for me, but telling me I can do this for five bucks a month and I can get right in and immediately start experimenting with these games that everyone raves about, like duh, like that just seems like the most no brainer thing ever. It's it's really smart of them and I, that's why I'm 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 genuinely excited about their next box and me being able to do a fifteen dollar a month Game Pass that covers everything across my so platforms. There's a caveat to that because, for example, for Forza 4, they announced the weirdly cute Lego Speed Champions, which is from Lego the movie, essentially, uh, expansion, which you don't get as part of the Game Pass, right? You only get the base games, which is why I mentioned that the Ubisoft one, you get all of the additional content. Um, So there you don't get it. So at that point, what do you do? Do you purchase the expansion for a game that you don't actually own that goes away if you uh, stop your subscription to the Game Pass. That it's kind definitely of complicates I mean, it. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. I think some people will try to make this into like a huge deal. Like, oh, but see, you don't even own the game and now you have an expansion for a game you don't own. And like, yeah, it's a little bit weird and somewhat inconvenient, but it's not as big a deal as some people will. Yeah, because the uh, Ubisoft say, deal and then like existing but, um, stuff like Origins, uh, EA's Origins access thing, those all give you all the DLC and content. Like I kind of hope yeah. what happens is Microsoft gets to a point where they feel like they need to do that to include that um maybe that will be part of the next generation thing but um anyway so there were other games of course not all of those are included in the game pass um but other games um that i want to mention very quickly flight simulator is making a comeback um 12 minutes is a weird game that i do just want to mention if you haven't seen it it's narrative view from up top uh with dialogue that is really well done it's just two people in a room and someone talking about stuff that hasn't happened yet and then it's cut to like it looked really interesting yeah um forgot about and, that one that that, uh, that did jump start me a little bit in that conference i'd forgotten about that that's a rad yeah. looking game yeah uh blair witch which we should mention and uh yeah i think that's that's about it for all oh, the legend of right is interesting it's a pencil pencil drawn type board game looking game it was weird and different yeah. and of course battle told which a lot of people seem to be 
hoping for, but it didn't do it for me. It never did it for me, and this one seems like it fell flat, even for some people who wanted Battle. Oh yeah, totally. They've gone a very different direction, art direction with it, and I don't know if that's gonna. That looked like a mobile game or something, so Mm. I'm concerned about that one as well. But Battle Toads, whatever, it's Battle Toads. All right, so can we put Microsoft uh, in our re- rear view mirror? Yep, even though our objects appear larger than they are in that mirror, it's fine. Put them back there. It's all good. To be fair, uh, the Microsoft conference was really exciting to me. So It was pretty good for me. Um, it wasn't the greatest, but it was all right. I liked it. Bethesda didn't have a huge amount of new stuff to announce. Uh, I think actually very little new stuff. Uh, uh, some but very little they spent about half the conference saying we're sorry we messed up <laughs> with uh, basically Elder Scrolls Blade the free to play um, mobile game which is coming to Switch and Fallout 76 for which they're adding uh, human NPCs and a battle royale mode um, they had a push for Elder Scrolls Online which is still going strong um, Rage 2 expansion they told you in many different ways, how much you could kill Nazis, stab Nazis, shoot Nazis, strangle Nazis uh, in the different Wolfenstein games coming out, mainly Youngblood. Um, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo was a weird thing, which uh, was presented by Shinji Mikami's uh, new company with, oh, I can't remember the name of the lady. She's so um, great, though. She's For me, she was, was so E3. Cute. Just what a, somebody on the, someone oh, somewhere go. called her chaotic neutral, I, or no, chaotic chaotic good was her his her alignment she's so cool uh ikumi nakamura was definitely the darling of e3 and she was genuine and fun and cute and japanese and very japanese yeah and her game looks cool too by the way that looks like a rad game i I can't tell a lot about it at this angle but it seems of 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 a lot of what they showed here that that one jumped out as a "Mm, that may i'm gonna check that out when it comes out because it seemed neat yeah, and it's in Tokyo, and it looks... We have no idea what the game actually is. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, Deathloop looks interesting. It's a game bar by uh, Arcane, the French studio that made uh, Dishonored. And it's a game where two people, a man and a woman, um, have to kill each other to get out of a death loop every game, it seems. It's kind of a weird... Um, it seems like you have NPCs you need to deal with before you get to the person, and each game lasts uh, not too long, but then you do it again maybe in different levels, it's possible. Arcane's level design is uh, uh, really excellent, and you can choose to do that with full-on action or stealth. or It's it's weird, and I'm very curious to see what happens uh, in that game. Very much so. Um, yeah, that looked, looked really neat and well like if i don't know if that was gameplay footage i don't remember if they said it was but um if not even then i think the, it was yeah was it okay the tone was super tight it looked really good or in an in engine at least yeah but, um, um oh i wanted to i made a note as well that there is so much cheering in this conference ugh. it was unnerving like there's always cheering in e3 conferences but like they would say uh hello I am blah blah blah. We have chairs, and everyone would go and go rah! Um, like they, it was obviously plants. They were all Bethesda people. Um, yeah, but the press which is fair, you know, you want to bring out your your people to enjoy these presentations yeah. they've been working so hard towards, and also it's the benefit of having people cheer. But yeah, they're they're they all do it. Every one of these companies and and conferences do it. They and um, we'll get to them later, but they and uh, and. Um, Square, no, Square Enix was oh Square, yeah, was pretty loudy, rowdy, but whatever. 
Um, Doom Eternal, where you go to hell and apparently to heaven as well. I thought that was <laughs> that looked really cool yeah. as a new environment to evolve in. It looked very platformy. There were a lot of platform elements. There's a new mode they introduced, uh, which is battle mode, where you play two demons versus one Doom guy. Um, that looks rad, and uh, it's coming out November 22nd. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Very and much looking forward to that game. That was the game of their conference, I'll, as far as I was concerned. I'll, I'll ask you the uh, takeaway from this conference in a second, but I just want to mention Orion, which is streaming tech. It's aimed at developers, but essentially they're getting in on the streaming as well through the middleware or the techniques. Uh, essentially, they can improve um, streaming from a, a software perspective. They say it's 20% faster. It's an average, but... Um, yeah, that's interesting that Bethesda is in it as well. And of course, Bethesda id is a pioneer in tech, in engines in general, graphics usually, but uh, it's not that surprising that they're uh, pushing improvements for uh, cloud environments as well. Right. So yeah, overall, what what did you think? What did you take away? Uh, all right. It's going to be interesting to have, I just realized this during the conference, that conference, that we're going to have an entire console generation that doesn't have a mainline Elder Scrolls game. Um, oh, yes, that's true, yeah. yes, Skyrim's been ported everywhere. I get it, but it's not the same. They will not. They, one will not launch in that generation at all. And the reason I believe that to be true, um, it may be. I don't know. They may be able to make it so that it works on current stuff plus new stuff. But the fact that they didn't show any and only briefly mentioned it. Todd Howard mentioned the two games that and Starfield. Those are clearly next generation games. Um, I think that was our answer. If we were all wondering when. We'd see those. I think the answer is on whatever's next is where we'll see those. Um, so that kind of both bummed me out, but also made me realize, oh yeah, of course, and that's great. I actually kind of, I kind of prefer that as opposed to the kind of half measure approach that a lot of those games take. They never look quite as good on the new stuff, and they on the old stuff they look like compromises were made. Um, I would say that was true of Black Flag and a few other games around the time of the last changeover. So I'm fully okay with them going all out on the next generation. Um, my, like I said earlier, my big takeaway is that the game of that show of their conferences is doom eternal. I think that looks insane and incredible. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of it is derivative of what we saw in 2016 with the doom reboot in general, but, uh, although everything I saw, that was probably the thing that made me the most excited. Um, and, and, and I will say, uh, Props to those guys for ESO doing so well. I really enjoy that MMO. It's really well made, and I play that now. Um, I also have some hope that if they're going to stick with Fallout 76 and and really hold the line and try to improve that thing, that could get a most improved sort of status down the road. I mean, I have some some faith in those guys. So I kind of want to check out 76 now, especially that they're going to add some more traditional Fallout aspects to it. Um, mm. like human NPCs, which at first I thought they meant actual people would be the NPCs, like the player controlled NPCs <laughs> or something. And then when I heard that, I was like, wait, I don't want it. I don't want that. I want if a player controls it, it's literally not an NPC. <laughs> right. It's no longer a non player character. character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my brain, my brain took a minute to get around and I'm like, oh, they just mean like not robots and whatever they have out in the world right now. Right. So right, yeah. that's great. Uh, I do kind of want to check that out and see where things are at. I was hoping they maybe put it on another platform so I don't have to get it on their dumb launcher, but it sounds like that's not going to happen <laughs> on PC. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, you know, not a lot happening on that stage. Uh, 
of of them all i think i'm most excited about what's happening in eso and what could what could come in that doom game it looked incredible and we'll learn more about that at QuakeCon. Hmm. um i'm yeah i'm kind of uh on with you on doom eternal um it's always a mix of super exciting because you know what you're getting but at the same time it's a little bit of more of the same mm -hmm. but it seems like they're changing it enough they're mixing it up enough um that it could be uh, uh really like i got out of that demo really excited for it um i'm intrigued about by uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop, which we mentioned. Uh, I want to know more about those. And maybe Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, it's coming out July 26th, so it's relatively soon, in a month and a half. Um, it, it, I, I've really enjoyed the new uh, Wolfensteins, and this one looks cool. I just don't have someone to play it with. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the, the features is co-op. But um, we'll see. We'll see if yeah, I that one definitely has it. that one definitely has a more of the same kind of vibe to it to me. And it, it's not that I didn't. Yeah. I really did love the last couple of those, but I, I just don't know if I'm I don't know. If I, I, don't, I just can't find myself getting too excited about the Wolfenstein games at the moment for whatever reason. I, I'm sure they're going to be great. They've been great. So it'll you know, people are looking forward that, to that. They should. Um, what I said about, oh, it's more of the same. It's cool because you know what you're getting, but it's more of the same. I think applies more to Youngblood than it does to Doom Eternal. Mm. Doom Eternal is different enough that it, it excites me more. Youngblood, I, as I said, I adored Wolfenstein 2 and Wolfenstein 1. But uh, yeah. So yeah, that was uh, Bethesda. No big new announcement. Mm -hmm. um, EA is... <laughs> so EA, to be fair, it wasn't a... E3 press conference. It was just a series of video streams that were bungled together and they weren't supposed to initially, but they figured it's going to be really dumb if they're peppered through the conference. Mm -hmm. So let's just do them all together. The, we could talk about uh, FIFA and the sports games and the Sims, but really what, was, uh, what everyone was waiting for was gameplay and more info on Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, we got gameplay and more info um scott what did you think i don't know it looks fine i'm not seeing anything crazy happen here that we haven't done in a thousand of these games the story feels like ah another young jedi guy is gonna grow up and be awesome and let's let's bring balance to this weird world you know like all of those aspects are there and for those who just want that again i guess you're excited this is going to be a wait and see what the reviews say kind of game for me. Uh, I, I really like Respawn, and I think they, I mean, they made my favorite first-person shooter story ever with Titanfall 2. So could they do it again with this? Probably, but I also know that, you know, you got to work with Kathleen Kennedy and her people and everyone at Marvel, Disney, Star Wars, and, and make everybody happy. I think it's just a harder space to work in when it's not your own IP. So I have some concerns. Yeah, I I don't know that that's the problem. They got what they wanted. Um, reportedly, they had to fight to get a Jedi and lightsabers, uh, but they got them. Uh, it's coming November fifteenth. Why the would they have to fight know. to get Jedi's and lightsabers? That's the weirdest because thing. It's, because it's a precious property, and if you mess it up, then it devalues the the these elements of that incredible i understand why they're protective of, of jedis and yeah. lightsabers and to be honest what we've seen as you said is not very exciting yeah. if if this game is not a, a a really fun game 
the next time they do a game, anyone does a game with Jedi's and lightsabers, it's 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 a little bit more of oh, okay, it's more Jedi's. I I, it, I understand completely why they are protective of it, and they, I just think again, it leads it just got, leads them to be homogenous and and careful, and I think that's dangerous for game development. They want to you need more freedom than that. You know? Well, I mean, I don't know. They got uh, respawn uh, apparently got that what they wanted, and from what we've seen, it's a very limited amount of gameplay. Uh, I think a good half of the people uh, thought that this what was supposed to be a home run respawn doing Jedi games was kind of underwhelming. The most common comment I've seen was, "Well, this looks like a last generation game that has lightsabers and." uncharted elements yeah and you know you get generic uh uh starship not starship troopers but uh, uh empire troopers stormtroopers that's the name i'm looking <laughs> for um some traversals uh, some traversal there's apparently a dark souls like type uh, melee combat system which could be super fun to play i mean i'm not saying this game is gonna suck i'm saying i didn't see anything that got me excited for a game where i should have been excited by the bar to clear was low and they didn't quite clear it um so i definitely i came out of it uh, as concerned as i was when they uh showed when they first re- introduced the game a couple of months ago or so um and that's worrisome for uh, uh, such a, a home run a game that should be home run yeah i i think you're right um I mean, whatever. But and that's sorry. Just I want to add the fact that if this game is not good, I want to fight you on the idea that this is uh, Disney's fault. That I think if this game is not a good game, it will rest squarely on the shoulders of Respawn, which is a developer I have immense respect for. I think they are one of the best developers there is, which is why it's so surprising this is not more exciting. And maybe it's about the gameplay. You have to put your hands on it and actually play it. It's entirely possible. Right. Not, not, all, not, all, books, not all games can be judged by their cover. In this case, 15 minutes of gameplay. I don't think it's enough for us to know for sure. And I'm not going to poo-poo right. it until I've actually seen it or heard more or played it myself but i that's fair i just i just feel like when it comes to these big ips that that and i don't just mean disney just anybody controls these ips and you're letting a game developer make something out of it it's just a lot of tiptoeing on ice a little bit and i Mm. i think we've seen that in lots of games in the past once in a while something gets through and you're like oh man that is amazing like the spider-man game last year was incredible um it may but know. i don't wait i i don't understand they have everything every element of star wars to make a great game what do you think they should have gotten to uh you know other than what they've gotten i think I it's the same i think it's mean. the same re- reason that disney marvel or sorry disney lucas keep losing directors on star wars projects it's the same reason these guys come in with a creative vision they bump heads and hit a ceiling every time they try to push that vision and instead, they come down and go, nope, nope, sorry, you got you have to draw within these lines. And then those movies end up being kind of average and lame and having two, three directors on them, like Solo, like, I don't know, uh, Rogue One. Like, all of those movies are, none of the Star Wars stuff up to the point, this new stuff, has pushed very hard to do anything very new. It's all a lot of regurgitation of what's safe. And I worry that that trans- transcribes over to games. I could be totally wrong. In the end, this this may prove me totally wrong, and Respawn was the company to do it. But uh, I 
I think that's a valid worry because they've shown they've done it before with the actual properties themselves. And and they're just well, nervous I mean, about it. They're weird about it. Whereas with like, you know, with Marvel and Feige and all that, they've they found all the right balances to pull it off. Um, but I could see that getting to a place where they're nervous. So I don't know. I don't know. I it's just a, it's a Star I I Wars mean, thing. I would it's a it's a wider discussion. I would fight you on the question of quality on the new trilogy. I think it's really interesting and and ultimately it will be remembered as something that tried different things, but that's a controversial topic. We don't need to get into the game aspect. I think a lot of it could uh, uh, be seen in the way you're describing it, but I think ultimately the moment-to-moment gameplay, I really doubt that uh, Kennedy goes into Respawn's offices and says, oh, no, you can't do that gameplay-wise. You know, and maybe there's some lit- limiting thing, but I don't. That's a fair point. I'll give you. I'll give you that one. I, I don't think she cares about that either. I think you're totally right, and I don't even mean to use her. I as think the, the main thing she thing. would care about would be: Are you going to use, or you know what? Maybe she said you need. Uh, no, she didn't. Maybe she said you need a, a lightsaber wielding Jedi, but we just heard that she didn't. They had to fight and convince her to to get one. And ultimately, that's one of the weak parts of the presentation so far, according to many people. Right. Um, yeah. But, and, I, but okay. also, I also could just see a scenario where they look at stuff and they go, that's too dark. You're going too dark here. That's too violent. That- yeah, but that's not the concern with this game. Yeah. I don't think anyone is looking at this and saying, oh, you should make it more like, you know, dark necromancer, dark souls environment. That's not the issue here. Um, it's just paint by numbers. It, That's what I'm that. saying. It feels like they're painting by numbers. That's why it looks boring to me. Mm. I could okay. be, I could I, be I wrong. Guess. Maybe that's just Star mm. Wars. Maybe I need to come to the conclusion that, hey, welcome to Star Wars. It's a, it's kind of limited in its scope, and this is what you get. Like maybe that's a thing mm. in my own head I need to work on. I don't know. Yeah. All right. We could talk about this, and and there are a lot of things they could have done with Star Wars with the universe, and and again, I, I, I don't think that is what disney is saying like you have to use this these elements i think it was if anything i wouldn't be surprised if ea was saying oh no you have to use stormtroopers in familiar environments because we need people to to be in a familiar star wars environment mm-hmm. and that might i could see that being a limiting factor sure. um but anyway maybe we'll we'll maybe jason schreier will uh, do a, a, a paper on that at one point when it's out but um All right, uh, let's do a quick interlude with uh, Miscellaneous. Um, Sony, even though they're not at the show, they uh, gave the release date for Death Stranding a week before E3. Uh, It's going to be November 8th. Uh, That wasn't expected. I think everyone, including me, said Death Stranding is not coming out before, I don't know, 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Turns out it's, uh, it's coming out this year. Uh, Modern Warfare is the next Call of Duty. It's kind of a grittier reboot of Modern Modern Warfare, which um, it was gritty already. But uh, yeah, Uh, we get a new Darksiders, which is a Diablo-style game. Another one of those. Pokemon. uh, Oh, we can talk about that at at the Nintendo thing. Um, Dragon Quest Walk is like Pokemon Go. And um, yeah, Rock said he wasn't at the show, which was disappointing because they're working on a, um, a what was it? Uh, uh, Justice League, apparently, according to rumors, uh, thing. Oh, right. Um, yeah, right. anything there that uh, floats your boat? Um, mm, not really. I, I, that's a really good question. I, I felt like uh, 
if I was to get excited about not any even of that. Death Stranding? Death Stranding, I'm excited about. I guess I was surprised it's not 2020. So I agree with you there. But I also, you know, that thing's just weird and I want to play it. <laughs> Let's just get it out. Let's be done. We've been talking about it for four years. Like, I just want to play it. Um, see what the I have to going say. On. I'm more excited the more I see about it, the more excited I am, which I'm not a big Kojima fan. So that wasn't expected for me. I like the we- Kojima's weirdness is my favorite video game weirdness. I love it. It's weird, <laughs> and uh, Metal Gear's always been weird, and this looks so weird. And I am on, I'm in on that alone. Like they could, this could be a bad game, and I still want to play it because I want to see what weird stuff he has to say and show. Um, having it come out this early is a big shock to me because I was sure 2020 on this one, hundred percent. If yeah. you'd have, if you'd asked me to bet money, there was no way I said 2019. Um, but it does feel, it's weird because it feels like it was part of E3 somehow in my head, but it wasn't, it came a week before or whatever it was, uh, news about that anyway, or that trailer. Yeah. Uh, modern it, warfare. I will be- say this about modern warfare. That is the most, this is the most interested I've been in a call of duty in a while. Um, I, I do. I don't know how gritty or dark they're going to make it, but they have, you know, talked a lot about that. This is effectively a story reboot with uh, Captain Price and some of these characters. Um, I want to play that more than I thought I would. Because now, you know, mm-hmm. we got a campaign again. This isn't just some multiplayer thing like uh, Cod Blops 4 was. It's just a chance for them to maybe reset things a little bit. And I I don't know why, but I'm kind of into it. The Darksiders' Diablo action game was maybe the most exciting thing. That kind of blew me away. It, it really looks like Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so much like Diablo 3. It really does. And I think I'm okay with that because I just am a sucker for action RPGs. So, so sure. That that one, I guess, mark me down for that one. I, I'm at the very least, I'm curious. Darksiders Genesis is the title of that game. Yeah. Um, oh, what if it was just Darksiders, but on the Genesis? What if you had to go dig ooh. out and blow dust off your Genesis and play a cartridge version of Darksiders? Oh, and man. you have to include a uh, not a 32x on top of it. You have to put a <laughs> 1080x because uh, it's going to need some power. Yeah. To, um, but when you boot it, it'll go rise from your grave. That'll be great. That's a reference. That you um, anyway. Death Stranding. I I I wonder if it's going to be a full game or like a half game because it's coming out so fast. I can't believe Kojima is working. It turns out uh, he wasn't the the he could be controlled outside of Konami. Maybe Konami wasn't managing him properly maybe sony was like dude okay you can do it but it has to come out in 2019 yeah like, i think there to. is some truth but to that i mean we won't know unless someone says but i think sony runs a tighter ship they were just like dude you gotta it's possible you gotta get it done yeah um devolver uh the devolver digital uh showcase i hate them hate <laughs> them uh with a passion i think that kind of marketing making fun of because we're so edgy never works and i detest those showcases in general because for some reason i have no idea why i thought it was kind of funny this time uh they went the they didn't do a um big conference uh uh, lampoon they did a nintendo direct lampoon and i thought it was really well done and fun i don't know if my mind switched or if it was a little bit different uh i think it was less bloody for the sake of being bloody and more um humorous bloody mm-hmm. but uh i liked it i didn't see it and the reason oh, okay. i didn't see it because is because 
I, like you, don't like the vibe of these usually. And <laughs> they always annoy me. And I like their games. I think they're a good publisher and their games are awesome. Uh, and I play a lot of them. But I was bummed. I, I just didn't want to sit through that. So I skipped it. And it's nice to hear that they did better. And maybe I'll have to go rewatch it. But I have I watched some of the stuff. Like I watched the House of the Gun Dead thing. I watched the Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout trailer. Like I've gone back to see what they actually announced. But maybe I need to go yeah. watch the actual reveal. I think you should. There's the initial segment when they switch to a Nintendo Direct type thing which is essentially what you described at the beginning of this episode and is done really well. Um, it's, I, that, was, that had me like cackling like an idiot. It was, it was really well done. So go watch it. I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. All right. Um, one of the brilliant things they did is Devolver Bootleg, which is a collection of games that are essentially bootlegs of their existing games. And it's so meta, it's available on Steam, and the people in the presentation are saying, wait, you mean we're going to sell people fake bootlegs of our own games, which are crappy, and we're going to get money for it? Mm. And the thing is, those games look kind of silly, small experiences that are fun, so we actually, <laughs> a lot of people are going to go and buy it. It's it's like, it's really cleverly done, so... I, I, you know, anything can happen. That's the ultimate proof. I actually enjoyed the Devolver, the Devolver Digital Direct. That year. shocks so. me. I mean, literally, I skipped it because part of it was, well, Patrick also hates these, so I'm justified in my hatred of these. So yeah. I'm not going to watch this. But now you're like, oh no, it was good. And this, the Carrion thing they showed, I think it was called Carrion, the kind of weird reverse horror game yeah. where you're the creature, is looks great. I'm playing that game. Like I will play the hell out of whatever the hell that is. So, it looked really good. I yeah. think we had already seen some images of it. But, oh, this yeah. was new to me. I've I was super stoked to see whatever that is. And they've they've really never let me down. Their games are crazy. They they mm -hmm. they pick devs and teams and stuff that are making wacky crap and I'm into it, but I'm just not into their presentations. But now I believe you. I'm gonna go back and watch it when we're done. <laughs> I'll consume it with an open mind. Um, all right, so we have a bunch of things to get through. Uh, the big ones are Ubisoft, Square Enix, and Nintendo. But before that, um, we're going to talk about the E3 VR showcase and the PC gaming showcase, um, both of which were... What's the opposite of... On, uh, uh, <laughs> on the, not the opposite, but they weren't overwhelming. They, weren't, they were underwhelming. Uh, they were, I don't know, whelming. Sure. Um, no, yeah, underwhelming. The I'd say the VR was whelming. I'd say PC gaming was very underwhelming. Yeah. Me so out. E3 VR was a uh, showcase put together by a single website uh, called Upload VR. And they decided, you know what? F it. We, anyone can do a showcase. Uh, you don't need a big stage. So let's do it. And they got uh, 15 million people who do VR games to send them videos video presentations of their games and they strung them together with uh the editor of uh, upload vr inserting small uh videos to transition from one uh, section to the next um the quality of those presentation videos vary widely um during the thing i didn't think that uh any one of the studios would have lesser quality than the editor of upload vr in their um, presentation but it happened and that was surprising but really I, I if anything i commend upload vr for doing this because it's uh, it's really 
courageous and it worked out and it presented a bunch of uh, games that are interesting. And uh, it's really cool that they could do that in a time when it's possible and they dared and it worked, even if it was, yeah, whelming and yeah. not super exciting. Um, there were a ton of games. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm going to let you tell us like which ones you... You, you noticed and made an impression and then I'll I'll say because we can't even list all of them. Yeah, was there was a one hour show where there was, I don't know, 50 games. Yeah, there was tons of stuff. They just kind of kept ripping through them. For me, the ones that or the one that really stuck out was the one they saved for last, which was Pistol Whip. Uh, this stylized shooter slash rhythm game from Cloudhead Games that looked like, I don't know, almost like um, super hot and um, Beat Saber had a baby. Uh, mm -hmm. Very stylized, very cool looking. Absolutely a day one for me. Um, it's also coming to the Quest, which is exciting because that's my current uh, flavor of choice when it comes to VR. And uh, I was super impressed with it. That and Space Team VR, which uh, Space Team is a long running iOS and Android app that people are probably familiar with. You and your, a bunch of your friends sit around and via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, you're all pretending like you're part of a uh, the bridge crew of a ship and you're all having to tell each other stuff to do in order to maintain the ship and it gets very chaotic and crazy very quickly. Uh, just go watch YouTube videos of this to see what I mean. But um, that coming to VR is a no-brainer. That is absolutely a thing that should be in, in, in a VR experience with friends and I think that sounds amazing. Outside of that, everything seemed a little generic to me. Just a lot of shooters, a lot of fantasy, you know, sort of like fantasy games that may or may not have a lot of RPG elements and diorama style, you know, poke around stuff and see what happens if you push a button kind of games. Uh, kind of the three genres, we talked about this at the time, but the three genres you see in VR for the most part. And of them, it's really Pistol Whip that jumped out to me. Everything else kind of seemed a little lame. Yeah, it's really, we're still in a, we're fi the devs are figuring out what VR is used for in, in ways that are not obvious. And a lot of the things that we saw were, as you said, kind of the obvious uses that fall into three large categories. Um, out of those, I would say, uh, beyond Pistol Whip, which looks really cool, I agree. It's probably the best uh, looking game that they had, looking not in the graphic sense, but like the how the game will will be uh, and they knew they kept it for the end so that was not a surprise mm -hmm. um but out of the other ones i think asgard's wrath is one that looked pretty good um it's a fantasy kind of like think of it like skyrim but optimized actually optimized for vr with controls and everything so in these kinds of games you apparently can um actually swing your sword to parry and slice your enemies and things like that and, and do spells and stuff like that. And this one, there were maybe three or four of those and we were joking about it uh, during the conference, but Asgard's Wrath is the one that uh, stood out to me. Um, Garden of the Sea is kind of a Stardew Valley slash Animal Crossing type thing, uh, which looked super cute. Yeah. Um, and there's cows that are really cute that you can pet and, and stuff like that. That looked <laughs> kind of cool. You talk, um, you're such a dad now. I love it the way you talk. It, it was not. I, I don't know that I'm going to play it, but it made an impression on me. Sure. Um, Aspire One is a is that like stealth shooter, and uh, stealth seems like it would be adapted, you know, appropriate for VR because you don't have to move super quickly, and uh, it it seemed pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So Aspire One uh, is the other one, and there were a number of others, but uh, nothing that 
you know, if we did a VR only uh, episode, I guess we could talk about more of them, but uh, that we'll have to do for this episode. Uh, because we need to talk about the PC gaming show. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so a little look behind the curtain here. Um, for every uh, conference we follow I, and, and I watch afterwards, I, I put some um, uh, games in bold to note which ones I'm interested in or were notable or stuff like that. In the PC gaming conference, there were two hours worth of games unending uh, uh, <laughs> discussions between the developers and the hosts and I have nothing that I noted nothing literally nothing yeah it's it was a bummer because I felt like last year we were a little more positive on that show um, like tonally and structurally it just seemed like they were they were they were getting their rhythm last year and this year it just felt off to me like everything about it fell off I think not sitting at chairs and walking that catwalk every time somebody came out was weird um just some odd production choices but game wise kind of the same problem i mean i mean i am a gigantic pc gamer and i got about five million titles that I, i'm following and checking out all the time and i'm excited about or whatever i love the form i love the uh the platform it's my favorite platform but nothing here really did much for me <laughs> like mm. i just kind of there's some sequels some stuff i just, oh i guess Sorry, I'm interrupting you because I noticed something that I did put in bold, uh, Griftlands, that uh, Clay Entertainment game that has changed immensely since its oh, initial right. introduction. Uh, it's essentially, well, maybe you could, you can describe it. You're the one who was really excited about it. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about this. So basically, uh, what it was originally is hard to remember because, they, uh, and every time Clay makes a game, I get excited. They, they made one of my favorite games of all time, which is Invisible Ink, came out in 2015. Still very playable. People should play that game if you haven't. But uh, uh, they're known for all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, that's Ninja Stealth one. What was I called? Ninja. Oh, crap. Forgot the name. Ninja. Yeah. Anyway, whatever it is. Uh, incredible yeah, 2D I know stealth games. Really, really good. But Don't Starve. Is it, don't Starve is, is huge. Don't starve? Yep. Don't yeah. Starve is huge. They have that other uh, kind of management one that's all set underground. That one's getting more and more uh, attention, although it's still in early access. But they've always just made... Really cool game. Shank 1 and 2 was them. Um, anyway, I love them. And every time they make a game, I play it and I get excited. This one I was excited about no matter what they were going to do, but it seemed like more of a traditional... Mark of the Ninja. Sorry. Mark of the Ninja. Of the Thank Ninja. you very much. How can we forget that? That yes. remastered Mark of the Ninja that's currently on Steam and that you got for free if you already own Mark of the Ninja is so good. Oh my gosh. 2D stealth at the best it's ever been. It's so good. Anyway, um, 100% people should play that if they never played it. So, uh, this thing... With all the changes it's gone through, I wonder where they were headed with it. And where they've headed is right where I wanted them to be, which is a deck-building Slay the Spire-like game. And imagine that, though, with like really good graphics, great animation, lots of character moments, uh, stuff you don't get in Slay the Spire, but you get that kind of gameplay. It's also pretty prominent in the uh, new... Um, oh, geez, SteamWorld Quest. Uh, the Hand of Gilgamech. Remember you got that one wrong the other day? You said you thought it was Gilgamesh, but uh -huh. it's not. Yeah, it's I was trying to be clever. Yeah. I, I'll make a note not to do that yeah, again. Yeah, that game is also very similar, and I really like that structure. It's uh, I'm not really a CCG card player, but I do like deck builders. Deck builders meaning you've got a, you got a deck, and it's full of cards, and they get dealt however they get dealt, and you use them in, in live uh, fights, and 
It's not about collecting them. It's not about opening a pack. It's not that. It's a it's a roguelike roguelite sort of experience, or at least that's what Slay the Spire is. Uh, so what they're doing there looks really amazing, and also it looks a little more dynamic than that. You can you can resolve some conflicts without card battles. Sometimes the cards are used in a different way. Uh, but it's yeah, that's, their, that was yeah. the the hook. I think like you can use cards to resolve conf- kind of you know situations, not conflict, through conversations and negotiate and you use the cards to do that so it's not always combat situations that you use that for mm-hmm. i think gameplay wise is going to be similar but uh it's an interesting idea mm-hmm. yeah very much so i think it looks good and again they're kind of a side unseen sort of i automatic buy for me so knowing they're working on that and that it's coming did we get a date on that um uh july 11 in alpha it's going to be in alpha for a year and then it's going to enter early access which will so, be an uh, yeah, epic it's ex- not out yet epic exclusive for early access i believe um um yeah epic was the sponsor of the pc gaming show so a lot of the ga- not all of them but a lot of the games were um were kind of epic yeah games. oh and we I didn't mean, we epic didn't mention games. it but epic's also getting exclusive to the actual auto chess game that the developers of the mod for dota 2 are making um right. that's kind of a big deal at that show i guess i don't know mm-hmm. first yeah. time anyone's seen it that's true yeah yeah it's yeah. Uh, i mean yeah it's a it's a actual game from a mod so right but yeah and they talked about um, it. so for me <laughs> yeah, go ahead i was gonna sorry. i was gonna make fun of the terraria expansion but i won't go ahead <laughs> um for me there were two things that were notable uh beyond how long it was but um the borderlands 3 showcase it was borderlands was everywhere and i'm really getting tired of borderlands 3 it's incredible that i think i'm not the only one I, of course some people are very excited but it's kind of reinforcing the sentiment the negative i had positive and negative sentiments when they introduced borderland 3 and every time they show it again and that's <laughs> all the time mm-hmm. the negative sentiments get reinforced so I don't know. I just wanted to make a note of that. And uh, Baldur's Gate, which was, we didn't even mention that. It was announced during the Stadia um, uh, uh, presentation. Baldur's Gate 3 is coming, developed by the best studio that could develop Baldur's Gate. That's uh, Larian Mm -hmm. and uh, makers of Divinity Original Sin, of course, and Divinity 2. we got a uh, trailer during a CG trailer during the Stadia uh, conference, and they teased Baldur's Gate 3 during the PC gaming conference from the beginning. And that was a two hours long thing again. And at the end, Larian, the Larian people show up and you're like, OK, we're going to see a little bit of gameplay, a little bit. Nope, nothing. Nothing. They, nothing. they essentially repeated we're making Baldur's Gate 3 and uh, Wizards of the Coast gave us the uh, property after we made this divinity that which they had said before they had asked first but they didn't want to and then they proved themselves and nothing it was it made me hate the pc gaming conference even more than i did it made me very much hate it because that was the number one thing i was going into the conference excited about because they were going to talk about Baldur's gate 3 my most anticipated recently announced sort of resurgence of a game i love so i was stoked it's the license it's these guys they make great games they're perfect for it 100 percent the right combo they get up and they their PR constrained to the point that they can't say shit. They didn't say anything. They just got up and said, hey, we're making this game. Here's a peek at that same trailer you saw four days ago, and we're done. And you made me wait the I whole conference. I don't know if conference. it's PR constrained. I, I wonder if they maybe they don't have anything to show. Maybe, but it, boy, that left a sour 
bit of cheat, and I don't mm. blame them. I'm a, I'm still one thousand percent on that game, all good, ready to go. I think the conference itself was playing a trick on me and knew they couldn't give us more than what they gave us. Uh, it's just yeah, too- and if that's the case, you don't leave it as your big thing at the end. Yeah, it felt. And it was two hours. Like, why do they keep doing these things that are... And it's PC Gaming Magazine, so I know it's not a huge, you know, production thing. And it's and they toned down the, the sponsorship aspects, which was fine. But anyway, I felt like you, that it was a step back from last year. Yeah. And I wish they didn't... We, we were talking about this during the conference. We said, you know, the, the problem with the previous conferences, a big part of it was the couch. And the couch segments were like super long where they would talk with the developers and, of course, have canned questions with canned answers. There was usually very little, if not nothing, interesting to take away from those. And I think they took away the idea that, oh, we have to make it more dynamic. So they took away the couch, but kept those silly uh, uh, interviews with no substance and added some like dumb costumes on one of the hosts um and and i guess hope that that would make it more dynamic but that wasn't what you needed to do make it more concise maybe cut part of the interviews you don't need to have an interview with every single one um i don't know anyway it was it was disappointing yep bum me out do better next year or well whatever we'll probably sit through it again but you know do better next of year. of course we will but still yeah. and it's it's also fun to riff on them when they're happening because we're super tired but um yeah anyway um all right uh i guess we can do square enix be- oh no ubisoft we go chronologically oh, yes ubisoft yes so Ubisoft, uh, which is essentially the, um, uh, oh, sorry, the actual title of the conference was Tom Clancy's Ubisoft, um, because there were literally (laughs) 15 million different Tom Clancy games. Uh, Some of them were new announcements. Some of them were um, updates to existing games. Um, I I guess I'll mention two weird things that happened. Mythic Quest is an Apple TV Plus show by the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia about a production team for an an MMO, which could be fun, but it's a TV show. It was a bit weird that it was there because they got help from Ubisoft for authenticity for how game development works, which I think is a good thing. Um, And what else was weird? Oh, it wasn't weird, but there was the uh, Uplay uh, subscription service announcement that's also available on Stadia, as I mentioned, uh, $14.99. Uh, I'm going to... So we talked about it already. I don't think we need to talk about it again. Mm. Um, but it can be a good deal if you like many of those games. Yeah. But um, so many Tom Clancy games, it seems like they would overlap <laughs> in in um, uh, Target <laughs> at some point, but maybe they don't. Um we can. I'll, I'll let you go with your favorite games. I'm not going to list all of them um, because I'm sure we're going to talk about the important ones if we take sure. turns. I so mean, the nice ones did you? The nice thing about the Tom Clancy titles, and this has been true for a while, is that they all kind of, as much as they're all like espionage and you know soldiers and you know all the stuff they do, they all have different focuses and different gameplay mechanics to us to address those focuses. So that doesn't bother me too much. Um, I kind of I was really hoping for a Splinter Cell game. We knew they weren't going to bring one. They've said previously um, this year, but uh, that would have been great because I love Sam Fisher. I love that stuff. He will appear in their weird XCOM style uh, Tom Clancy Universe mobile game, which they announced at this thing. Uh, but that's just 
like all the that's all the hot stars from the Clancy universe, I guess, and in in, uh, in a XCOM looking mobile game, which actually looked nice. So I may be into that. I will. will uh, time will tell. I'll, I'll let you know what I think of that when it comes out. Um, but of all the things that they discussed, this is going to surprise you. There are really only two that, as much as I like the conference as a whole, there are two that really jumped out for me. And the first was Watchdog Legion, which is that doesn't surprise or me. Watchdogs Legion rather. Uh, Patrick and I were watching that together. I think we both had similar reactions. If they can really pull off what they're doing with this. Uh, swapping of npcs to be the character you're playing uh so explain explain what it is because maybe some people don't know i think not many but uh it it needs to be explained i agree so the previous the previous games were basically a protagonist and then you went and did this you know hacking sort of cyber story and i liked two a lot i think one suffered from a lot of problems but i think watchdogs 2 was pretty cool legion is their tagline is play as anyone lets you Basically, even just starting the game, you can just pick a dude or a lady that you see. In theory, it's anybody you can see. I mean, they 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 still have some detail to get to us on this, but you see somebody feeding their dog, you go over to them. He takes a phone. He or she takes a phone call from the robot dude and says, "Hey, we're we're activating you. Let's go." It's all set in London. It's post Brexit. There's a kind of uh, it's a bad time. We're in the future. The government's crashing down on its people. The people don't like it. And the only way they can fight back is to be a part of this big hacking collective. And uh, your job is to play each one of these characters as needed. And they experience permadeath. If they die, they are dead. And you switch over to somebody else. So in our video, in our viewing, we saw some, you know, brawler, bald dude, kind of two, two guns and smoking barrels or whatever. I uh, can't think of the name of that thing. Uh, Snatch is a better movie to explain. Anyway, one of those guys, kind of a thug gangster type. Lock, stock, and two smoking. Thank you. That's the one. Uh, two guns and two smoking. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> so he gets uh, he gets killed and and dies. And replacing him is this old lady who's feeding birds, and she's really she's got certain stats, and her stats lend really well to to espionage and like robots and some other stuff. Not so much physical, although she can still be physical, as they showed in that video. That, that was such an amazing moment. <laughs> it was really good. She shot a guy point blank in the head. It was insane. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's the idea, is that no matter who you see, you, you in theory, can uh, be them. You become them. them, I guess. Yeah, and they've got voiceover. The, the, the cinematics play out uh, with that character in the story. Um, rather than, you know, rather than maybe the one you started with, with whatever, whoever you're using. Um, and it's not clear whether this is infinite, like just as many people as are in the world in the city full of people, or if it's like an archetype set of like 10, or maybe it's three different types and there's 30 people that fit those types. And then they sort of rinse and repeat. So there, I don't, I don't know. There, there are three archetypes. It's like the brawler, the hacker and the something else. Yeah. Um, but beyond uh, inside of those uh arguably i mean there are details that we don't have but yeah the promise is maybe it's not every single person you see but it's it's close to that yeah it's a lot of people and they all have stats that give them slight advantages so if if you've got the brawler archetype he may also have 100 percent plus to uh melee damage more than the, the the standard guy would and so you might want to choose him for those reasons. Like at least that appeared to be that way. They had all these stats over everybody's uh, info when you'd hover over them, and you could like, oh, okay, she's got 
she's got really good stealth. I'm going to choose her. Um, and now you're her. You're that lady. Uh, well, I mean, you add her to the team and you have a team of, you could be dozens of people, uh, it seems, or maybe 20. And you choose anyone you want to play that's that fits whatever mission you want to do at that time. And it gives that feeling of we are building a, a kind of an army or a collective and it's all of us. And when one dies, it, it's like it, it kind of uh, fixes this uh, cognitive disconnect of video games where your hero never dies because there they kind of die. And, and we don't quite know how far it goes because the promise of they're all different is both exciting but at the same time unbelievable like yeah. how different are they all yeah. um i think the big question is the the voiceover i guess they could record you know let's say 50 different voiceovers for every uh, um type every situation in the game and then maybe modulate the voice through synthetic means with filters and stuff to make it sound like 2000 mm -hmm. different voices and at that point it's almost as if they had like in the, uh, infinite numbers because 2000 is is enough that it doesn't matter anymore yeah and but visually the, that, visually like, then it's just everyone's got different hats and different clothes and different and i'm fine with that by the way that's a nice uh, that, but that's okay i'm in i'm into it if that's what they had to do well it depends how how far it goes for that as well because if you have like three stock animation types then it kind of becomes just every the characters are a skin and you have the skin and the voice and but in in reality it doesn't matter who you're playing so how deep do they go like do they have different animations different quips different ways of saying things um and and that's a big question mark but the demo is is a promise that is compelling as very, a promise very, and very well it, it should be playable on the uh, uh um show floor i believe so we'll know more mm -hmm. uh, it's coming out march 2020 by the way so it's a little bit of a ways off yeah. but um it it's kind of a rare moment in gaming where the, the the promise of what you're shown is incredible and we were flabbergasted like our jaws were on the floor and we had heard about the um uh, leak already so we knew it was like legion and you could play as anyone kind of but seeing it in action was such a compelling uh, uh, concept, proof of concept, uh, that it it it's mind blowing. So of course, it's mind blowing as a demo at E3, which we all know. And you know, save your emails. We know it could end up not being that at all. But what we're discussing is the promise, which is very exciting. So as for that, for me, it's it was I was also like completely mind blown. Yeah, I also saw, I felt like I was seeing a lot of technologies they've been using in a lot of their games come together. You know, they were talking about how the different characters just seamlessly are in these cutscenes, no matter who you pick. And that's what they do. It's only two, but that's what they do with uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. The brother or the mm. sister are there, and they play out dynamically according to that. And it's not, you never feel like, oh, this was probably meant more for the dude. Like they're very good right, right. at making that happen. I feel like that's a a little bit of that thrown in there. Like there's a lot of stuff coming together from from the kinds of games they make. It's got me all wound up for Legion. I think it sounds really cool, and Ubisoft's kind of my favorite developer right now. Slash publisher. I think they've got you know chops. So uh, excited, excited about that one. I uh, knew uh, yeah. like you said, there's a lot of missing info. About because because your hit your brain starts going real deep. It's like wait, plays anyone? And then you're like, wait, that can't be possible. You can't play as anyone. 
And this, so I want to know how they bridge that that disconnect, you know, between what's yeah, and I think possible. there's kind of like any game that is sufficiently complex. Uh, many of the Rockstar games, including the latest ones, if you if you play it enough, you start seeing behind the curtain and you start seeing the systems and the mechanics of it, and it loses a little bit of its charms. Its charm, and I think that's unavoidable for any game. So the the question is, how far does it go to successfully conceal? that uh, uh, machinery behind it uh, and to maintain the illusion. And uh, if it goes far enough, it will be compelling, but mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Um, I want to mention quickly Rainbow Six Quarantine, which is another Rainbow Six. They, they're still following up. I think we mentioned this anytime we talk about uh, Ubisoft with all of their games, you know, Rainbow Six Siege. And there was some stuff for, for um, uh, Ghost Recon. No, there wasn't, not for... Wildlands, but they showed Breakpoint. Uh, there's For Honor that's getting more content. Uh, the Division Two, of course. Oops, sorry. Oh, John um, Barenthal came out for uh, for that yeah. new Wild or not Wildlands, but the new Ghost Recon. That was interesting. Breakpoint, he had his dog yeah. with him, which is weird, but that's fine. It was a bit weird. Uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine is a PVE game, where uh, Rainbow Six Siege is a PvP focused one. This is a three people, three player tactical co op game mm -hmm. uh, coming out early 2020. I'm curious to see what that what that is and uh, we should mention roller champions which is available already in early access or in limited time demo um and that's kind of a you i played it a little bit uh you mentioned the closest thing you can uh, compare it to is probably um um ah name escapes me mm. brain fart uh cars with football oh 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 rocket, uh, league. Uh, rocket, rocket league. league i did the same thing yesterday <laughs> i can remember yeah. rocket league's name <laughs> by the way did you you yeah. got it did you download it give it a shot yeah or? yeah i played it i played uh, a few games yeah i did too i think that thing's gonna be great it's really fun um i think it's for people who enjoy what people do enjoy about rocket league but even more so it's like a i don't know i kind of got a hockey game vibe out of it which i'm a big fan of hockey mm. games and sports games i'm not even a big sports games player but i do like a hockey game and and video games and i like future weirdy sports like this um I got into the groove where I was getting it down and like, okay, I get how to dodge now. I get how to tackle and I get how to avoid being tackled. So it just started clicking with me. And by my third round, I was like, dude, this is, this is totally my jam. This is going to really please that, that weird hybrid sports, esports need. And they don't really have anything like that right now, except for siege, uh, in esports really. So I think this is an attempt to do that, but I could see myself getting way sucked into this. I like it. Yeah, I think it, I think it's fun. It's got some potential. Uh, it's an easy, light, uh, small game, just like uh, Rocket League is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got some similar customization options for monetization long term. It's and it's you know not aggressive in that uh, regard, uh, or I don't think it will be. Um, yeah, it looks it looks kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and they closed the conference with uh, Gods and Monsters, which is which looks a lot like the Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's the team behind Assassin's Creed Odyssey that's developing this. We don't have a lot. It was a very quick, uh, uh, small snippet mm -hmm. of the game. It's coming out February 25, 2020, uh, but we don't really know what it is. We just know that it looked kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Square Enix, um, second worst. Guess, uh, oh, no, I'm going to say worst crowd of the sh of the shows. They're yes, worst it was Bethesda. really terrible. They were cheering at every single thing, and just like um, 
Ubisoft was the Tom Clancy show. Mm -hmm. Square Enix was the Final Fantasy show. I think there was like, I don't know, 15 different Final Fantasy games that were showcased, which, you know, is fair. It's their biggest game probably. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, anything, we, we can save the, the, the big one for the end. But uh, anything else in the Square Enix show that uh, struck you? Yeah, continues to. I'm I'm I am more and more convinced that I'm going to really enjoy the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, I uh, to to you and John's surprise, I I think the combat they showed looked really neat. I did hear something today that kind of bummed me out, which is they're going to do this in chunks, like you know, episodic, basically. It's, right, it's, it's a series, and the first one, which is a full game, is going to be in Midgard only, the starting city. Um, yeah, so it's going to be released in different bits. That's fine, I guess. I don't know. I kind of wish it was just one big thing. Part of the part of the fun of these games is going through them and realizing at some point just how big it is, you know. And this is going to have a, a kind of. I agree. I think you know those games were sixty hour long long games. Um, I don't think today's world is fit for that mm -hmm. uh, so much. And if it gives them uh, an opportunity to evolve this remake beyond just a, a you know just a remaking of what the game was scene by scene, it could be interesting. But yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of a weird move. Yep. Uh, other than that, um, the, oh, oh, something else I want to mention for people who haven't followed it: the combat system is interesting because it's kind of a hybrid between real time and and uh, turn based. Because you play real time and you fill up a bar, but what happens when you uh, have a bar filled is that you can activate an ability that is activated through like you slow you you stop time and you select your ability, and that makes it go just like it would in the old school. Yeah. you effectively the, the stop time it's you just to drastically reduce time like it gets really slow and they're barely moving but during that time you get to you know go quick quickly grab Select the your stuff you want to do sure abilities and yeah stuff. i think that looked really cool and swapping between characters seemed simple and intuitive and strategic in some ways like that just really got me i think i'm into it i want to mm -hmm. play it and the and the terrible acting makes me even happier because i love that crap <laughs> I love bad acting in my video games, so I'm all in <laughs> on that one. Uh, Outriders, um, oh, what was the other yeah. one I was going to mention? Oh, Dying Light 2. Outriders is an unknown quantity. I think that seems neat for a co-op shooter. It's like a three people drop into a, a zone and the people can fly. Or, uh, people can fly, is that who it is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they make it uh, summer 2020. But the one I think I'm looking forward to the most is Dying Light 2, which comes out in the spring. Um, I love Dying Light 1, and... Uh, they didn't really show anything more that we didn't already know. There's no gameplay changes or anything. We just know they're making a sequel to Dying Light, and it looked great. So I guess I'm just saying, of all of you know, of all the things they're doing, those two jumped out at me the most. The Final Fantasy remake and the Dying Light two uh, game looked great. Final Fantasy VIII remastered was uh, announced. Um, it's coming out 2020, 2019, so this year. Uh, there were a bunch of like Romantic Saga, uh, Final Fantasy Brave Exegius, uh, a, a bunch of other things uh, that we already knew about or aren't incredibly exciting <laughs> if you're not already <laughs> super excited about these things. Yeah. Um, but the big one at the end was, of course, Avengers, which was finally introduced. Um, I'm just... Yeah, just going to ask you what did you... So, yeah, no, just a couple of uh, details. It looked 
like a single-player narrative experience initially from everything they've shown. And then they said towards the end, it's going to be after that multiplayer uh, co-op uh, focused and will add heroes and uh, uh, new zones and new regions. And those will be free. So there will be no loot boxes, nothing like that. I'm guessing you will uh, monetize. they will monetize the game as a service by cosmetics but we don't know that and the game is is um handled by uh, crystal dynamics with helps help from ados montreal i yep, believe yep. uh so it's it's big players but uh so i'm not i haven't said anything about you know the the technical aspect or what we saw mm-hmm. but um so i'm letting you uh do that oh may 15 2020 so oh yeah, yeah. A year. yeah not too bad yeah. uh it's a uh, it's very scripted so uh, we didn't get a lot of dynamic in game play stuff we saw hints of what the gameplay may look like but we really don't know how it plays this is the only frustrating thing out about that presentation is i don't know what i'm actually doing in that game and i don't know how well it, it will be it. on the show floor so hopefully we will hear more very soon about the gameplay yeah. and you're I, I i agree it's uh it was one of the things that didn't come out yeah uh, ha- had they shown more of that i think i would have really like the segment because it's uh it looks great the tone's right like it's it looks like a rad marvel you know game um avengers is cool i want to play that and uh, they got great actors laura bailey troy uh troy park or baker rather nolan north all these people in it uh all that stuff sounds great uh the thing i'm now predicting patrick and we'll see when it comes out but i predict this is an attempt to make a destiny like for that game's endgame. No pun intended. But this is everyone's prediction, Scott. Oh, am I not? I thought I was really on to something here. Okay, well then... Uh, oh, no, it's what everyone expects, yeah. Then let me let me join in the chorus of voices who all think that this is a loot shooter or a loot hero kind of moving forward kind of game and you're all going to be playing it in three or four years, which they also said out loud on the stage. But... Uh, yeah, it seems, it seems cool. I just, I just wanted to see, I felt like I was watching a lot of scripted stuff that didn't really show me anything about games. There's no UI, there's no button prompts. I don't know what they were doing. So there's that. That's yeah. I think that's a little bit of a concern and that's why it was, I mean, the, the multiplayer thing that everyone expected and that they ended up confirming was surprising. It made it surprising that they showed a narrative focused thing which i'm guessing maybe means it's going to be a short um uh uh, experience maybe it's going to be five hours uh but it was reasonably well done from a um acting point of view um it it, the graphic wise i can't quite put my finger on it it looks okay but it also looks a bit weird i don't know what maybe it's because the the art style needs to be a, a little bit limited because they want some ambitious um, uh, vistas and, and number of enemies or, or something like that. I can't quite put my finger on it. It's not bad. I didn't ca- come away from it. Some elements of it were good, actually. But overall, it was like, nah, I don't know. There's something weird. And yeah, the, the lack of gameplay, it's going to be on the show floor. So why did they not show any gameplay during the presentation that makes me a little bit nervous maybe they didn't want to muddy it maybe it was unclear you know but they could have shown like one of the uh, uh characters like show a little bit of gameplay five minutes it doesn't need to be long but um with iron man you know that mm-hmm. can't look bad i'm i'm guessing if the game is going to be any good uh, playing iron man 
it is easy to make look good. You're flying around, sending stuff, lasering stuff, punching people. Um, so I'm, it makes me a tiny bit nervous. Um, that being said, I don't, I, I don't think we know enough to judge it definitively one way or another. I'm very eagerly waiting for uh, feedback from the show floor where people can actually play it. I'm scared that they're going to say it's actually kind of crappy mm. <laughs> um, gameplay-wise, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll know more about this. And as people know, I'm a huge Marvel slash MCU fan. Um, and, and I think the direction they're going with the art style is okay. It's kind of halfway between the comics and the movies. Um, and but what makes it okay is the incredible performances that were that we can get out of the actors they've chosen. Yeah, the actors sell uh, those things better than than anyone can. So that makes me a little bit that reassures me. There's some bit, weird but, um, story hints of of what we got in both Endgame and Infinity War, um, and it makes me wonder if they are doing that intentionally or if they just didn't know. What that what those films were? I think they at? didn't know. Yeah, maybe they didn't know. I think they didn't know because the game has been in development for like four years, and the the scripts for those movies was kept secret until the movies came out. So, um, I don't think they knew. Yeah, I don't think they did either. But it's it's it, it look it looked really cool, and made you go, oh yeah, that's right. Square Enix is a good mainstream. It's not all Final Fantasy remakes and remasters. It they make they make other games or they publish other games, and so. We should all be excited about that, and I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I I wasn't let down, but I want to know more. Yeah. So, like the scene between uh, Baker and North, basically uh, Bruce Banner and uh, Tony Stark, where Stark gets a bit angry at at um, at Banner, is my jam. It's like it's it's exactly like he get he, there's an emotion that comes through in 20 seconds of dialogue which I think can entirely make a game but it makes one aspect of the game gameplay is what makes you know a game as a service long term uh uh shooter type thing uh when we haven't seen anything about that yeah. we saw Hank Pym though so there's going to be tons of other characters I'm sure um, towards the end with a little bit of a teaser. But, yeah, um, which reminded everybody, yeah. or at least me, that it's this is not MCU timeline. This is like a whole, this right. is Avengers of a different, you know, this is comic Avengers. It's their own thing. Hank Pym isn't, you know, 80. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a different thing, and that's cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. Uh, all right, last one, Nintendo. Um, Nintendo is always the perfect a uh, wholesome palette cleanser for uh, the E3 conferences. And I think this uh, this one was not, didn't disappoint in that uh, regard. Nothing hugely major, and I include the last announcement in that nothing hugely major um, uh, assessment, and I'll get into why in a second. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, again, Scott, there were a ton of games in there, and we're not going to go through all of them, but uh, what did you take away from it? Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm... I, New Horizons, uh, yes. March 20, 2020. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, maybe more excited than anything else that's happened at E3. That's probably not true, but I really, really like Animal Crossing, and it's just there's a special magic in those games for me, and I've been playing them since, well, GameCube. But I think there was even an N64 version that I played. I can't remember. But I, and the new Leaf stuff on 
3DS, I played to death. I played the DS version to death. I just love, love, love that series. The mobile game, not so much. That's a different kind of thing. But uh, the the uh, a proper game in that series coming out is I'm beyond. I'm over the moon. I cannot wait to play that thing. So that was a big, not not a big surprise. I figured they might mention it or talk about it, but it was nice to see it got some, it got some time. Um, that and uh, the Zelda Breath of the Wild two thing. Uh, we don't really have a title right. for it, but whatever that is, an actual sequel in that style, in that world, in the Breath of the World, uh, Breath of the Wild world, is very exciting to me. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think those are my big takeaways. I love both those. I'm not an Animal Crossing guy or a Pokemon guy, which is coming out November 15th, for those who didn't know, and is going to be Pokemon with. There's an interesting, like, giant Pokemon called Dynamax Dynamic, which would could make the fights uh, interesting. Yeah. So I'll be looking out for that. They gave a date for Astral Chain, that Platinum game, uh, August 30th. Um, a, a ton of other things I'm not going to go through. Some but, really ugly um, stuff, too. There were some really ugly games in here. That we don't have to get there into, but like couple, Contra yeah. Road Corp Core is looks like butt trash. It's so bad. Yeah, it, it, I I was commenting during the conference. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a 3ds game. It looks so bad. Yeah, it um, looks really bad. But yeah. Uh, anyway, the Breath of the Wild two uh, development announcement. I'm not including it. Like I'm saying, it's not a big thing. It kind of is. Uh, but but, but it's really it's nothing. It was a short. Cinema, uh, a short sequence in-game sequence mm-hmm. um i was super excited and i am super excited we don't have a date we don't have anything so i'm trying to not be too excited but um it wasn't leaked or anything but i think some people were starting to think you know it would make sense to reuse that engine and do something um more with it uh the time has about come for something like that to happen so it's not a hugest surprise which is why i think i'm saying it's not you know um it's like announcing elder scrolls 6 it's big of course but if you don't show a little bit more than just uh, a screen or in this case they already have the engine so a 20 seconds um uh, sequence of ganon being resurrected as dead ganon um if you don't have anything more to show i don't think it's a you know, an announcement to get super excited about. But uh, obviously it's a big one. And I am, you know, I was, uh, uh, you know, screaming when it happened during the show. So, yeah, I'm uh, very excited. I I just think um, the, it's strange. It, well, it, it's unique because if you think about uh, Nintendo's mainline, you know, television connected consoles, they never have two May, main Zelda games in the same generation. It's always one. Sometimes they cross over a little bit. End of GameCube got Twilight Princess in them, but really that was a Wii game. Um, but they never do more than two or more than one. Um, they're totally doing more than one <laughs> this time, it looks like. And that's great. I'm stoked about it. Unless there's some kind of Switch 2 by the time this comes out, which is, I suppose, possible. Cause wasn't the Wii- Majora's Mask kind of a... Yeah, but uh, that was like a weird offshoot, right. right? Like some kind of funky. Yeah, but it was it was a you know a, an ocarina of time. It was kind of the same deal. It was on on Nintendo sixty four, and it was kind of using the ocarina of time 
uh, engine. Yeah, I think. Yeah, my mistake. You're right. It was the right. Look. It was the same look and everything. Mm. It was just a very different game. I don't know. You know what? You That's make it. You make a decent point. It's not a sequel. Yeah. No, you're right. It's not quite a sequel. It's doing something entirely different yeah. with an engine they already had. So yeah. I, I, all and, I, I but guess, maybe maybe Breath of the Wild Two is going to be that as well. Yeah, just, that's my whole point. Is I, I just think it's it gives them an opportunity to, to maybe push some more of this out faster. And that thing sold like crazy. So they'll they'll make a a crap ton of money with that thing. But still, and I forgot to mention because it's this year. Um, but Link's Awakening in September. We now have a date. Um, I could I cannot wait for that. I'm so excited about that. Oh, yeah, I am too. I want to play it right now. Um. <laughs> I'm very excited too for that uh September 20th. Mm-hmm. Um I I mistakenly wrote 21st because that's my birthday. Oh. Uh but it's it's right before that. All right. Uh Trials of Mana. It, oh sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just excited for your birthday. Uh, every year that goes by, oh, you. you're like a fine cheese or wine. It's great. <laughs> uh Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 was shown again a little bit with the um reveal that we're going to get some uh, Fantastic 4 and other characters in like a season pass type thing. Um I'm I, I kind of same deal. I'm excited but cautiously about that game. And uh more importantly, I think one of the biggest uh, uh thing that they announced because it's coming like literally in 2 days is a uh, Cadence of Hyrule that uh Crypt of the Nec- Necrodancer um, with a Zelda theme, it's coming out in uh, like June 13. Yeah, that's um, just a couple of days. I am totally getting that thing. We, I didn't say a price; they never do. But no, I'm guessing it's going to be maybe 20 bucks. It, it would be worth 15, but it's going to be 20 because it's Nintendo, or yeah. maybe even 40. But uh, yeah, yeah, better be 20. Yeah, that's the right price. But I will. I'm going to download that immediately. I'm very excited about that. I love yeah. Necrodancer. Necrodancer is on my phone. I have it on my tablet. I have it on my Switch, I had a, I think there was a Vita version I even had. <laughs> I really like and, and, yeah. and Steam. I love that game. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And I think that is the end of the E3 conferences. A uh, couple of hours. And again, we didn't talk about everything. So apologies if your favorite game was not mentioned here. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, that was, it was a, a meaty um conference opening days um if not the most explosive i think next year is going to be the big one yeah. but i wasn't disappointed by this one i think there was there was some stuff um to conclude your feelings again on the overall thing and maybe can you tell us your one or two things of the show that uh, you come away with overall uh yeah i think overall it's not the right word to say I'm disappointed with the conference because I'm not. I guess I'm just I, my expectations have been realigned and and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of games were shown and that's exciting and that's always good. We're in a very mature timeline during the cycle. That means lots of games and we really front loaded twenty 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 uh, spring zone there. I think quarter one is going to get maybe a little too crowded. You're going to see some can- you're going to see some um, delays if only just to get out of the same windows as other big releases. I think you're going to see a lot of that before the end of the year, but um, that always happens too. So it's not that big a deal, but it just seems like a lot this year. Um, So overall, I, you know, that's my overall take. I think it was mostly pretty good. uh, If not, you know, overwhelmingly there was, there was no moment of like, Oh man, except for a couple of tiny ones that were like uh, games. I was just excited about like animal crossing or whatever. Games-wise, coming out of this thing, I think the stuff I want to play the most are Animal Crossing, and 
I, I think I need to know more about the Avengers game before I commit, but I think that'll probably be a no brainer given what we saw. Um, Oh, outside of that, what have I forgotten? Uh, there's a million things I want to do here. Oh, um, uh, Watch Dogs Legion and Roller Champions I'm very excited about. And I think those are kind of the big ones. Um, nothing Microsoft showed really blew me away. I'm, I'm more, again, more excited about services there than I am. Yeah, I think that's part, else. that's why I didn't say game. I said thing. I think yeah. that's because I was thinking uh, Game Pass is part of that. I think Game Pass for whatever reason because i'm on pc and it's cheap during the beta period um is super exciting and the perspective of having the streaming and all of that is coalescing in a way that is more concrete than uh it was you know a week ago because it was only on xbox one and i don't have my xbox one um connected um so i think that's part of it for you know, Xbox fans don't at me. I understand it exists already, and you know, it's it's just coalescing differently for whatever reason. Yeah, so um, it's exactly the same for me. And the fact that it's yeah. on the PC and they've got this ultimate deal. When I do decide to get in, it's just a it's a hell of a deal. It's really good. Um, Watch Dogs Legion, we've uh, uh, you know fanned uh, uh, about uh, enough, and with the caveat that we need to know more. But it's definitely the thing that got my jaw on the floor uh, during the the conference avengers of course but that's more because i love avengers it's not the game itself we don't know enough as i said mm-hmm. um breath of the wild and a ton of small things that i'm excited about i think um that is the takeaway it's there's no one thing it's you know the game pass model and a ton of small not small things but a ton of things that i'm excited about not necessarily over the moon about yeah. So um, yeah, I think it was a good. It, I, it's not a disappointing one. I think it was good, and uh, I can't wait to know more. And it's kind of a. I think it's in, enhanced by the perspective of next year being a gigantic uh, opening for the next generation. And it might happen before. You know, Nintendo, uh, uh, Microsoft has their uh, Xbox Insider Direct thing, and Sony might show things at. Uh, Gamescom, they might even show more things at the PlayStation Experience in December if they do one, or at any time, really. But the next year is going to be the arrival of a very important and different uh, next generation. And this is kind of a an appetizer for that in a weird way, even though they there aren't really any games for that. I don't know. It, it, it feels like that to me in my mind. Yeah, so I agree. I'm happy. Yeah, I am too. I think 2020 is going to be crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, kind of across the industry in lots of weird and new ways. And that's exciting to be around for that. Like I, I kind of want to see how mm-hmm. that all plays out, but also, you know, that will be when the rubber meets the road on who your loyalties will be with for the next cycle. Uh, or, or if yeah. some of these can be, you know, I mean, we're going to do what we do because we try to cover as much stuff as we can, but you know, will the, will the common gamer find, uh, a combination of hey i got my xbox for what i want over here but also the stadia thing works pretty well on my phone because i like to do you know like that's 2020 is a big year for well, all of that too. that's that's the thing it, you know the the allegiances and they're starting to work on that the allegiances are going to be the barriers are going to be so much lower and in some cases they're going to disappear and that's why they're starting to work all of them on uh, getting content to make sure they hook you into their service rather than someone else's service because 
you're going to buy at least one box because you're listening to this show and you're probably a, a core gamer. Um, but the other, the other uh, uh, companies' games are literally going to be one click away. You know, your Apple TV, Android TV, whatever is going to have all of those services. You click, maybe you subscribe for a month for 15 bucks because there's this one game that you want to play um, that looks exciting on the other side. And you subscribe for a month, you pay 15 bucks, you don't have to buy a console, you just connect your existing controller and you start playing. And the allegiances, I think, are going to be a lot less uh, uh, potent than they have been until now. And that is exciting. And, and that starts this fall, right, with Stadia and xCloud. Although we need to know more about exactly what's going to be included in the beginning of xCloud. But um, it's very conceivable that starting in October, Microsoft opens xCloud and relatively quickly after that, if you want to play any Microsoft game that looks cool that's coming out on that console or, you know, you don't need anything, you just pay for xCloud for a month and you try them out. That's and that's starting now. So I don't know. It is exciting. Yep. It's good to be. It's good to be a gamer, Patrick. Good to be a gamer. <laughs> that's another trope that I think is starting to be played out at this point. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but it's true. All right, uh, that's going to be it for us. It was an exhausting few days, yeah. and uh, personally, I'm not done. We're go we're going to be recording a little bit more, and I'm going to be recording for my French shows uh, tomorrow. But uh, it, it it was fun. It was great to do with you, Scott and uh, John and Brian, who joined us on the live streams. If you want to listen to those for some reason, uh, they are in our feed, so you can go and check them out. Uh, the previous episodes, there's like. I don't know, maybe 10 hours of content <laughs> yeah, there. Something like that. Um, yeah. it, it's kind of crazy, but it's always fun. Thank you so much, Scott, for being with me for, with those. It's one of the best times of the year for us gamers. Um, if people want more of you, because you might not be there for the next episode of Pixels, where would they go? Uh, well, they should go uh, over to frogpants.com. You'll notice two shows there. There's one called Core and there's one called the Boop Show. The Boop Show, which is kind of the sister show to this show, is a bit of a uh, look at smaller games, more uh, smaller experiences, more unique experiences. I do this with Brian Dunaway on a weekly basis, and uh, those who are listening to this file on that very feed uh, already know this, but uh, I guess for you Pixels folks, if you want to come check it out, you should. And Core on Wednesdays is a live show and podcast that we do where we go a little deeper into the bigger issues around the industry. We get to the controversial stuff. We talk about uh, what core gamers have to deal with in this ever-changing environment. So if you want to check that out, that's over there as well. Uh, for everything else, I'm on Twitter, at Scott Johnson. And the pleasure, as my dad would say, was mine. <laughs> um, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can find this show, well, it's called Pixels, if you're listening on the Boop or Core show. Um, and uh, you can subscribe now in your podcast app or go to frenchspin.com to comment, for example, or I guess on Twitter, it's going to be easier because we're both there if you want to tell us what you thought. Um, and uh, I'll be back in a few weeks. I don't know when exactly, but it will happen with more gaming news. Again, Scott, thank you so much for being with me. And uh, I guess, well, we'll do shows together before that, but uh, can't wait for E3 2020 when we do our sixth year of uh, conferences and fun with Patrick and Scott. So until then, 
Enjoy gaming. Bye. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.